Good morning. It's a beautiful thing to see a full church. But what if I took up the line from today's gospel reading and told you he is not here? He is not here. Gay Clark Jennings is the president of the House of Deputies of the Episcopal Church. And she writes that really no one over the age of 12 should give an Easter sermon. I think one of the things that she means by that is that somewhere around age 12 and in our tweens, we get a sense of wonder drummed out of us by the wider world. And many of us in our spiritual lives, at least, struggle for a good part of our young adulthood and sometimes into later adulthood, trying to regain what we lost at that moment. When I was a young adult, I really did not like the end of Mark's gospel, which we heard today. This is where it ends, folks. This is where the gospel, according to Mark, stops in its original version. The women fleeing the tomb in terror and amazement. And then at some point, probably someone came along and tagged on a few extra verses to say, oh, the gospel went on after this. Almost to try to catch a moment or tie things up in a neat bow. Mark doesn't want things in a neat bow. And the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that Mark, of all the gospel writers, probably got it right in the sense that we are left with this empty tomb and we are meant to be in terror and amazement. Why? Because everything that the women expected when they came to the tomb wasn't there. He is not here. Most of us, as we hit those tweens and early teenage years, get it drummed into us the way the world works. How does the world work? Well, people who have power tend to like to hang on to it. And the threat of violence is always with us to keep that order in place. The women understood this. They lived in a patriarchal society. The men were in charge, and the threat of violence was always with them, if not in the household, certainly in the wider community. The Romans understood this. This is why Jesus was executed the way he was. It was to send a message. This is what will happen to you if you put one toe out of line. The religious authorities of the day understood this in order to preserve the order of the temple cult and in order to keep order for the people and to keep Rome happy. Jesus, they thought, died to preserve that. And so the women come to the tomb knowing what to expect. 
a stone rolled across the opening to keep them and vermin and whatever else out. Bodies that are dead are supposed to stay in the ground. Unless you like zombie movies, but that's a whole different sermon for another time. That's what we are taught to expect. We are taught to expect that we buy privilege and power. We are taught to expect that the way things are will be preserved at all costs. And most of all, most importantly, we are taught that death is the end. That when we die, it's it. Over. Full stop. Nothing else happens after that. So if you get your head around that much, which should be pretty easy, at least for those over the age of 12 in the room, you can understand why the women are completely bewildered and then stunned when an angel greets them inside the open tomb where there is no body and says he is not here. Mark wants us to understand that the Easter message has gone out ahead of us. And in the voice of the angel, Jesus has gone out ahead of you. He is risen. He has gone out ahead of you into Galilee. Into Galilee. Galilee, where he was on the streets and the roads. Galilee, where he ate the same food as the people around him, and he probably started to smell like them, too. Galilee, where he proclaimed good news to the poor and brought healing to the sick. Galilee, where he had grown up and learned the ways of this life and the ways, perhaps, of God. In other words, Mark says, Jesus has gone out ahead of you. He is risen, and he's gone out there into the regular, ordinary, everyday world of your lives. And in a very profound sense, my brothers and sisters, he is not here with us today. He's out there. The Easter message has gone out ahead of us to meet us, to welcome us. And that is so upsetting to the expectations of the women who arrive at the tomb They're struck dumb. There is nothing more to be said. People who have absolutely no power are given a message that the powers of this world have been defeated by God. And everything they thought they knew would happen next is not going to. Something new is afoot. Our job here today is to gather up that vision and carry it with us into the next 50 days. Don't expect to meet Jesus here in the way you expected to meet Jesus. He is not here. He is risen. He is gone out ahead of me. If you don't believe me, look at the news. Look at the news 
with Easter eyes. In an age that has never been more cynical than now. In a time where we think we know what to expect from people who are in power and even from one another. Just a few weeks ago, a high schooler was doing what many high schoolers do, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands across the country. She was busy getting ready to graduate and go to college. And she was thinking about her future and her career and what would happen next. There was a game plan. She knew what to expect. She had been taught what to expect. Now this high schooler, you're probably already thinking ahead of me, was attending a high school in Parkland, Florida. We know the darkness that walked in the door with a gun, and many of her classmates lay dead. That was another moment where the world had taught her what to expect. Powerful, well-moneyed interest groups would keep their lock hold on the Washington politicians. Everyone would grieve for a time, and then everyone would move on. And life would go on as it had before. Then, just last week, she shows up in Washington, D.C. and speaks to a crowd of no fewer than 500,000 people, millions more watching on television. And she does something that no president in living memory, no prelate, certainly no priest like me, has been able to do in a very long time. She leads hundreds of thousands of people in six minutes of silence. Six long minutes of silence. Think about that. Think about that. And suddenly, all of the power brokers in Washington have no idea what to do next. That's Easter. That's Christ risen, blowing up our expectations, breaking through all the powers and presumptions of this world, busting open our thoughts about the way things are supposed to be in order to make room for something new. And the way Christ does that is to die first and then to rise and in doing so, defeat death. Can we embrace that? You got 50 days to try. You have 50 days to try to embrace that Easter message and look at the world anew through Easter eyes. So my sisters and brothers, what you greet today in the broken bread and the common cup is not a dead body. He is not here. What you greet today in the broken bread and the common cup 
is the risen Christ, who is not just here but is out there, has gone out ahead of us and is waiting to greet us and partner with us in bringing healing and good news to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. You are called to be an Easter people for that world. And even as the world continues with being enthralled with Good Friday, we bear an Easter message, an Easter hope, an Easter life. God is doing something new. And not even we know what it is exactly, but we do know it has something to do with new life, with the future, with a hope that has been pressed down and passed on from generation to generation across the ages. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.